This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. At Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. <laughs> Help me! Help! Help! Morning, Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave. Manly emphasis on manly. Uh, geez, I might be politically incorrect for saying that. I have so much fun saying it, therefore. And we're in the Mellon Law Studio with 50 years of experience. Mellon Law is the only official law firm partner at the University of Florida. And they won't back down. They're a full-service legal service. So check them out. And we're protected, of course, 24-7, 365 by my good friends at Crime Prevention, cpss.net. And check out the mugshots brought to you by Maurice T. McDaniel. And all of our sponsors and all of our donors, we really appreciate you very much. And good morning. I see some people checking on early to class. Boy, these people who get to class early. They always do well because, um, you know, they get the notes and then they do well. You know, I always let people use notes on the exams. Why not? I mean, in the real world, you take notes, do you not? And uh, so that teaches you the art of taking notes. There's an also there's an art to that and there's a procedure for that. So many, many things can be learned if you are guided in a proper direction, shall we say. Well, boy, I tell you, I call today's show more partisanship. It never seems to expire. Never seems to run out of cards in the deck of the politicians. But um, locally, I usually start out here with some local things, too, because, and by the way, the the wheels of justice, shall we say, are creaking forward slowly, been inexorably, I like that word, several syllables, uh, towards uh, some sort of uh, denouement, which is a term for uh, uh, a moment of truth, if you will, uh, in the world of fiction narrative. So, I know you don't know much about it, but stay with me. But um, we've got more uh, people. Now, some of the inmates who were uh, charged and, and been taken to court are going to ha- have uh, hire liars. And uh, someone has a public defender. There's still one inmate on the lam, uh, oddly enough, and hasn't been picked up yet. And we have reason to believe it. He'll actually uh, hire uh, a, a liar or get a public defender. But we know that T.J.P. Shea, who took the Fifth Amendment, has the same attorney that is working for Grotos and Riles. So uh, that attorney is no slouch. So uh, it, it, it appears to be uh, an interesting uh, collision, if you will, coming forward uh, that will be held publicly. If these guys actually say, I want to go to court and I want to tell my side of the story, uh, then um, we'll get to witness the whole deal out in public. And somebody, T.J. Pichet and Kim Barton, are going to have to crawl up on that stand and hold their hand up. And that's going to be an interesting moment. And, and I think we, we think it's going to come to pass. Yesterday, it was a, a national publication in town uh, that um, you never know about these people who come from out of town uh, from these national publications. And, you know, I was interviewed by the New York Times uh, they kept trying to coax me into some sort of uh, liberal interpretation of the felon vote a long time before uh, we ever crashed into Zuckerberg. And 
you know, by the time I read the article, um, 99% of what I had said had wound up on the cutting room floor. They must have taken 100 pictures of me, uh, none of which have appeared. And uh, now we have a publication here in town uh, who spent some time yesterday with our uh, data investigator. And I can assure you uh, that he uh, made the, all the proper uh, ingredients for a good story told very much to the point and with good documentation. He said they must have taken about 100 pictures of him. And I advise my good friend, do not be surprised if none of them appears. And uh, don't be surprised if when the story comes out, it, it won't be anything close to what you said. Uh, this is one of the issues we always have to deal with uh, in the media. And then yet people turn around and trust the media. And I have a good friend whom I used to do the show with, uh, James Bozeman, who was a great co-host, a veteran of the, of the media. And he's advised people not to believe a single thing in the media. At lunch with him a couple of days ago. It's always a great lunch. We, we block out two hours of time for it because there's so many stories we trade back and forth. But he is advising everybody, if you see it in the media, disregard it because it's not going to be the story. Of course, we know it because we're working behind the scenes on the media, getting documents that we're always kind of uh, interested, don't appear in the stories, but we know exist. So that's sort of the purpose of the Ward Scott Files is to uh, get you behind the curtain, if you will, of whatever is going on in the public media. Now, I do find it amusing right now to read the Gainesville Sunset online. I don't take it in hard copy. Uh, I don't know why anybody would, but some people do. Um, Bozeman hated to mow grass. Let me tell you a story on that plantation, Mark. When uh, James Bozeman first bought his home, the grass was just a fright. It was all over the yard, hadn't been mowed for a while. I took my trailer and my riding lawnmower over and I mowed it for him. So when he appeared uh, at his place to move in uh, here in the city of Alachua, he, he thought maybe the city had mowed it and he was going to get a bill because uh, he hadn't mowed the lawn and he violated some code. So he called me up and he said, guess what? He said, uh, my yard when I moved in was mowed. I, I guess I'm going to owe the city a bill. I said, well, just send that money on over to me, my brother. I mowed it for you. So that's always a funny story we have uh, between us. Thank you for reminding me of that plantation, Mark. Uh, the uh, known on this uh, chat side is Margaret Cook, but it's plantation, Mark, probably Margaret too, uh, <laughs> Nelson. But uh, Bozeman didn't mow grass. Uh, in fact, he got a very nice self-propelled lawnmower. I went with him to get it, and uh, I don't know how – uh, Mark remembers all these stories, but it's funny. Uh, I went with him to get it, and uh, we he purchased the lawnmower, very nice lawnmower, and uh, it ran. You know, all you had to do was hang on to it, and it, it dragged you around the yard. And then next thing I know, he's called me up and says, "Come get this. I'll give it to you. I don't want it. I'm not going to use it." So you know, yes, you're right, Mark. Bozeman hated to mow grass. So um, anyway, we were talking about the media, and I do I do take a look at, uh, as you know, from time to time the letters to the editors, because uh, as I, I think I went through the one yesterday, or uh, time flies, maybe it was the day before, where the gentleman had written in about single member districts and didn't have a clue what he was talking about, but it seemed to serve the purpose of the editorial position of the Gainesville Sun, no doubt, and certainly the liberal county and city commissions um, uh, of Gainesville and the county, uh, and that single member districts are just inherently bad and it always tickles me because 
the guy didn't know have a clue what he was talking about. But now we've got this whole deal that's going on. And I'll probably hear about it at lunch today because I'm going to lunch with some people who are absolutely up in arms. And generally, they don't get involved in politics. But, you know, it's the age old adage. Uh, students are a very good uh, example of this. When do students vote? They only vote when you change the bar closing hours. And then they get all upset and they come down and pound on the city hall doors. And what you shut them down from four to two, four and this and that. That's the only time they get all ramped up and get involved. And the, and the, um, the, the motion, the, uh, the, I got that message, Mark. Uh, the, um, the, the, um, the, the, the interest here is that the lesson that you learn uh, that's generally so for everyone is one only gets involved when there's something personal at stake for him. And that's why my good friend Billy Matthews, who was a four-term congressman from this area, uh, once told my research class, and they didn't understand a word he was saying, that the best thing they could do for their country was buy five acres of land. Of course, they didn't know what the heck he was talking about. Um, five acres of land, I just have to mow it or get a, you know something to do with it. But what he was really talking about was if you own a piece of the country, terra firma, the actual dirt, uh, you will become much more interested in the politicians who zone that dirt and who uh, put sidewalks up to that dirt and all the above and streets through it and this and that. Then you'll find yourself down at City Hall. Until that happens, um, you're not going to get involved. Now, one of the really strange things we've got going on now with so many politicians is that they don't own a piece of the dirt. They don't own five acres. And uh, they live by computers. They, they sit in front of screens. Uh, um, they, they have this Internet that they get reality from. And we've even moved into letting artificial intelligence tell us what to do if you say something to one of the artificial secretaries on one of your devices it seems to know everything you're doing uh, i get in my truck to go somewhere and it seems to know already where i'm going and tells me well this is the shortest route and here's the traffic it's crazy so uh we've really changed and evolved you know this is why every generation rewrites its ethics you know how could you have written let's say we come along uh, I mean, i'm trying to think of an analogy for this People are complaining that there are no way in which slavery was accepted once upon a time. Well, one of these days, I'm so sure if you fast forward enough, one of these days, it could be entirely possible. Um, good, Tim, you sit on the front row, my man. Um, it'd be entirely possible that somebody will say, hey, why did they ever so widely use that Internet? And, and why didn't those people discard that Internet? Didn't they know that this artificial intelligence was going to destroy them as human beings. I mean, it's quite possible if you were to write a futuristic novel, that would be one of the chapters. So, uh, but right now, it, the internet and artificial intelligence and the things we're doing right now, absolutely accepted. So you can't go back and rewrite right and wrong 100 or 200 years later. You just can't do that. It doesn't work that way. But you can find the fundamental principles. And one of the things that I find is so interesting in the letters is one single word here that is, is in it, one of the letters. I'm going to get into two letters. One has to do with this whole movement now to put uh, affordable housing in the middle of neighborhoods, which is there's a, there's a grassroots rebellion against. And it's, um, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of interesting. 
uh, how it's, it's, it's really getting bigger and bigger. But um, I was looking at the one letter, which I printed out here, and I want to tell you the word that caught my attention. Uh, this gentleman wrote that on July 13th, the city commission will probably vote to end many regulatory requirements of developers who come to Gainesville hoping to do business. The changes will be citywide and cannot be undone. Now, this is the word, this is a sentence that contains the word that interested me. Uh, they are characterized by Mayor Lauren Poe as, quote, the decent thing to do, end quote. Well, the word that caught my interest, the word decent, and the fact that the mayor thinks he knows what's decent. And then anybody who doesn't agree with him, you understand, by definition will be indecent. Indecent. Doing something that's unacceptable publicly is one of the ways to look at the meaning of that word. And so I, I have to laugh. I'm going to tell you a story that you, nobody knows but yours truly. I once had a very good friend who was mayor of Gainesville. I won't mention his name, but when he was mayor of Gainesville, the vogue thing then, and it was really a, an issue pushed by Kirkwood. <clears throat> Kirkwood is a very wealthy neighborhood in the southwest uh, part of the city, sandwiched between 441 and uh, the Williston Road bypass, which goes up to Main Street. So it's sandwiched between Main Street, south of Southwest 16th Avenue, between 441 and Main Street. And what you have there is pass-through traffic, and the pass-through traffic is going from the Southwest 13th over to the South Main World, and each is rather, uh, shall we say, uh, greatly different from the area there known as Kirkwood. Well, so the mayor decided that, boy, I'm going to, uh, there's a lot of, I guess, a lot of votes there, or a lot of reason for me to go down as a mayor and clean up a Southwest 13th. And he also had some pressure from the country club because there was a place there similar to that activity that was going on on Southwest 13th, which was, quote, unquote, a strip club. And so he decided that he had to go see for himself because one of the things they were complaining about on Southwest 13th were all of the streetwalkers going up and down Southwest 13th, attracted by the customers who came to the strip club. And then over on near the country club, uh, the country club people were were uh, upset because the truckers would pull off I-75 and park in order to go in to see that strip club and mess up their entrance to the country club and their ambiance and all that. So the mayor said, I've got to go, you know, get involved with these things. And he told me the story that I've always remembered that has the word decent in it that he thought was just really crazy funny. He went to the strip club and he sat out front and watched the strippers. Well, 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 yeah, sure enough, there they are. So then he was invited by the owner of the club to come backstage and meet the strippers to see 
really what nice people they were, what regular people they were. Some of them students working their way through college, others mothers, you know, supporting their families. And this was a profitable way to do it. And so the mayor, being an open-minded individual and one seeking the truth, went with, I'm sure, went with the proprietor around to the back to the dressing rooms of the people who had just been without clothes on the stage on the other side of the hallway. But when the proprietor came to the door that was closed, where the strippers were now, you know, clothing themselves, he knocked on the door and said, are you decent in there? I have always, so when I saw this letter, I, I apologize, I apologize, I apologize. You know, where Poe said the decent thing to do was to put affordable housing in the middle of neighborhoods. I had to think, well, the decent thing to do if you want to meet the strippers that you just saw without clothes is wait until they have clothes on. <laughs> it was a dangest thing, uh, uh, <laughs> the dangest thing uh, that uh, one of the funniest stories I've ever heard, loaded with some kind of ironic truth. You, my students, sort it all out and see if you can instruct me on what it is. But um, it was really a, a moment of, uh, of uh, enlightenment, I guess. And it made a, a, a humorous story, but a serious story. Now, here we have another mayor who's not at all concerned about strip joints. I don't even know if there are any in the town. I don't think there's possible now because there's so much natural uh, stripped down, if you will, behavior. So I don't even know if that would apply. But uh, uh, here now the word decent is now being applied to cramming affordable housing into, into decent neighborhoods. But Poe sees those neighborhoods as indecent because they don't have, a, they're not willing to accept affordable housing. <laughs> and I guess the, the comparison here is that the proprietor of the strip joint wanted to impress upon the mayor that the girls were decent because they were clothed before you could come and talk to them personally. I, you know, it, it is really beyond. It's Saturday Night Live material. Now, the other thing that in, is in here, you probably don't remember, some of you old timers will, a lady named Jean Chalmers. She was married to a gentleman who was a history professor at the University of Florida wore a bow tie, had a mustache, um, dressed nicely and all that. I believe she was originally a Canadian. Um, she was a, a lady who was the mayor for a while. <laughs> I knew her. I knew him. You know, I knew all these people. And now she's up in arms. And she, <laughs> I have to read this to you. Um, uh, that, and she writes, her name is Jean Chalmers. Uh, she has a daughter here in the community, and she knows a lot of people. She's, I think her husband's died, but, uh, but she's still around. A nice lady. I always liked her. Very liberal. <laughs> but she would listen, you know. And so she says, I am sick and tired of young city commissioners <clears throat> and newspaper reporters implying that I'm a racist because I do not want a quadruplex overlooking my backyard. And that is one hell of a sentence. I mean, it really is. You know, because here is a liberal former mayor. Now, what I'm trying to impress upon you people, 
my students, is that every generation rewrites its ethics. And so now it's rewritten on Jean Chalmers. She was the farthest thing from a racist when she was the mayor. And she's going to elucidate that in this letter to the editor. But yet the young people come along and think they know everything. And it all applies to every generation and every decade. And so she's been the object of scorn of all people to be called a racist. I've been called a racist. I mean, that's the race card. If nothing else, you nullify. You go to the business and call them racist. And then, you know, they get all scared and creaky need, and, you know, and they don't fight back. But she's fighting back. She said, I'm sick and tired of young city commissioners and newspaper reporters implying that I'm a racist because I do not want a quadruplex overlooking my backyard. They have no knowledge of local history and would do well to spend some time at the Matheson Museum. I have to echo her. I agree with her. You take the poodle and uh, the communist uh, Cuban Cinco, uh, they don't have a clue about Gainesville. How in the world, I'll tell you how they get into office. No decent person wants to be a politician, with exceptions. We've got some great ones in Newberry. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I mean, I think Newberry has the best commission in the county. Um, gets things done. It's got leadership. It's got more than one leader. It's got several leaders. It's got, you know, great city manager. Uh, so they're not all defunct and dysfunctional. Um, and you, we've got some great people in Micanopy, um, really. And, and um, here it, it's really uh, an interesting kind of world we're living in. But we've got these people in the center of the town who think they are the county. Uh, and they're not the county, but they might as well be. That's what single member districts is all about. Because these people in the center of town, the poodle and the communist Cuban, they run the mentality of the whole county. And here is a lady who was our typical liberal, who was the mayor, and elucidates this. She says, I was the president of the game. I was uh, uh, president of Gainesville Women for Equal Rights, which is the second largest civil rights organization in Florida. I started the first integrated school in Alachua County, and my husband went to jail in St. Augustine. Um, I note with interest that my African-American friends also do not want multifamily structures in their communities. Now, there you go. It is so interesting. But I, th I think it will fall on the deaf ears of how low can you go, Bowtie Poe, the boy named Lauren, because he thinks he's the reservoir the Mount Olympus of what is decent. What kind of fool says those things? Uh, I, 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 you know, well, I know what kind of fool says them. Politicians are, are loaded up with them. But you see, I, you know, unfortunately, I'm one of these guys who sees things that other people don't see. Uh, I mean, I see, you know, I see that one word, decent. And I can, I can have a class, at least 20, 25 minutes of class on that and, and, and relate it to your life. So you're going to have a lot of people go around if you are indecent because you don't agree with their political agenda. And you're going to have the race card played on you or you're going to have the morality clause played on you that you're not decent. And therefore, you need to be disregarded or maybe even in extreme cases, um, 
um, put in a jug. I, I don't know what else these people would do with you if they could do it. Um, but uh, anyway, that, 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 that is in the Gainesville sunset today in the letters to the editors. So I call that a zoning war, Poe versus Chalmers. I don't know how much clout Chalmers still has. Um, I know she has it with the older group in the community as she cited some of the memberships of those older groups. But, you know, we're in the hands of the young who don't, as she says, have any historical knowledge. Um, you know, I've got a study here. So I think I went through it. Um, and maybe if I don't, I'll dig it out of my uh, midnight auto yard. Um, young people today don't know what we're independent from. When you say uh, Independence Day, independence from what? Some of them think it's, a, it's a, the, the Indian nation that we're independent from. Um, they, they don't have a clue who we're independent from. And every, we assume that because we have an Independence Day, July 4th, that all these young people know what they, they don't have a clue. And there you are. How, where are you going to start? Where are you going to start with? So um, decency versus the NIMBYs is really what it's about. The NIMBYs stand for not in my backyard. And um, the, the NIMBYs exist everywhere. Now, uh, these people who are up in arms over quadruplexes being put, affordable housing is really what it is, Section 8 housing, some sort of government-sponsored housing, in the midst of their neighborhoods. Um, many of them, the reason they're being told what to do uh, by these people who are in office is because only about 10 to 12% of the city of Gainesville votes. You understand? So by staying home and not voting and giving up, giving the territory to these ignoramuses, then they, I guess the cynic would say, you get what you deserve. If you don't like them, what you put them in office for? Did you not know they were going to do something like this to you? Did you not realize this? That they don't have any, any understanding of what they're doing. They just saw an opportunity. The poodle and the other one there, the kid who can't remember where he slept last night. Go read his deposition. He he uh, uh, he he can't he, in his in his testimony. They're trying to pin him down on whether he actually lives in his district. Well, you know, can't tell. He slept here. He slept there. I don't know. You know, it was always one of the things that jumped out at me when I read that kid's deposition, whose name I can't even remember now. Um, anyway. I hope at the state level, because at the state level, we finally got the Office of Election Crimes. And according to what I've been able to uh, find, the, um, the uh, head of that is a real bulldog. He will absolutely pursue it. We're going to test him real soon. We're going to send him some things and check him out and see if he's the real deal. Uh, if he really wants some election crimes, we got him. And we'll send them to him and we'll see what happens. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be one of his first litmus tests is what he does with what we send him, the Ward Scott files with our, uh, investigator instigator. Um, when I get back from the break here in a minute, uh, I want to talk about the California invasion. You talk about, I guess, Poe and, uh, this California governor must've been raised in the same 
uh, greenhouse. I, I don't, I don't they're, they're so similar, so similar. Hello, Douglas Whitaker. And so we're going to take a little break here and thank our sponsors and uh, uh, you know, always thank our donations. Uh, uh, we're putting them to good use now. And uh, we, we are expanding our horizons here. Uh, and now we got an elections crime committee. Maybe we'll be able to give you a better return even when we got them going. So uh, when I come back, I want to talk about the Calif- what I call the California invasion uh, with this governor out there. His buying ads here in the state of Florida, and um, what the, and this you know the, the I guess the guy believes it. I guess he really believes it that people in Florida will vote for him for president of the United States. Oh boy, let's take a break, production. We're right back and uh, have a little fun while you're out there. Play a few ditties, and we'll return in a moment on Word Scott Files. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help!
Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. All right, welcome back to Ward Scott Files. I want to make everybody sure everybody's decent there when we come back. Um, that's a funny word, isn't it? And uh, I'm watching to see what checked in here while I went to heat my coffee. Yeah, I hear that voice over there. I'm not supposed to hear. I don't think am I. Um, so, um, Gavin Newsom, well, we know what he's up to. The guy has begun his presidential campaign. Well, you know, why not? I mean, why in the world would anybody put any kind of money or more lies or whatever behind Biden? The guy has got, as we all know, the lowest popularity or favorability or approval or whatever you want to call it, uh, support of any president in my lifetime. I mean, I, the guy is just in the, in the tank, but he doesn't know it. I mean, he really, he doesn't seem to understand it. I mean, I got a little thing here that tells you some things that I ran across. You know, I'm always reading. I'm always researching. Um, here, here, here's some stuff I think that has given. I'm going to go through this first, and I'm going to this must have given Gavin Newsom some encouragement. First of all, you remember, uh, and there's a lot of people who've been writing about this in different publications. Carl Rove has written about it in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, other publications uh, have written about it because um, it's so odd. And that's the chaotic withdrawal from Kabul. I mean, have, I, listen, I've talked to military guys. I go to the range and I shoot with ex-military guys. Um, I'll be going out there tomorrow. Um, you know, we know how much ammunition, just ammunition costs. Every time I fire a round of a nine millimeter, by the way, Biden says that'll go through your lung. Um, every time I fire a nine millimeter round, I'm spending, and this is about as best um, a deal as I can find, 34 cents. So, you know, the magazines of some of the pistols uh, hold 11 with one in a chamber, so 12. So let's just say that you're just gonna fire 10 rounds and multiply it times 34 cents. Every time you empty your magazine, you spent $3.40. That's just a nine millimeter round. So now imagine an entire military base abandoned by Biden. And what does he turn around and call it? Do you remember this? A successful mission, an extraordinarily successful mission. It drives us nuts to think of all those weapons, those of us who, you know, have weapons, have rifles and pistols and ammunition. We know what it costs. So if you have five or six of us at the range, how much money do you think you're looking at there? And each one of us has maybe brought out one or two, maybe three different pistols, maybe three different calibers, maybe nine millimeter and maybe 40 
um, at 45, you know, and it, what? A whole military base? This guy just walks off and surrendered it to uh, the Taliban and called it the right decision? I don't know whether, you know, I've seen a lot of goofy things in my time. I guess if you live long enough, you will. Nobody's saying a thing about that. By the way, I've got a I've got a soldier with whom I communicate over an encrypted message system who is in Ukraine. And I, I, I need to remember all the different places he said he's listened to me in. Uh, he's been moving around over there and, and with units uh, surrounding Ukraine. So he's listened to me constantly the whole time he's been at the front uh, of the of the whole world there of chaos. So we get all over the world with the Ward Scott files. And um, maybe I get a little time here. I'll, I'll go find some of the countries he named, but that he listens to me from. And I see, of course, we got some people listening to me from out of the country now. And but so and then put that, you know, Ken Hilliard, my old roomie, he was an airborne medic in Vietnam. I mean, been through the worst kind of stuff you can imagine. Uh, what, what would you think? And Planet Asia, what do you think were those rounds, Ken, that you were being shot at with and using to shoot back with, what are they costing? So we've got this president. And by the way, I want to get into the foolishness of how that war was governed, unfortunately, uh, at some point during my presentation, maybe not today. So that's one thing. And then inflation. Who in the heck can deny that the economy is on everybody's mind? Now, the withdrawal from Afghanistan might not be because the press doesn't cover it uh, the press doesn't cover it where to go i don't know and now we're giving billions more to ukraine i mean there it seems to make we i, I don't know if it makes any sense or not but it's more biden more biden why don't you just take the stuff in afghanistan and ship it to ukraine does that make any sense a, a, a businessman would have done that So he's got his head in the sand about inflation, too. He has said that uh, the job reports, um, let me see if I can get this quote. History has been made. Um, he said that 2.9 million fewer Americans were working before the pandemic, and inflation was 7.9% of the preceding 12 months. But a couple of weeks later, Gallup released a poll um, saying that that was all BS, and he had a disapproval rating of 62. Yet he was touting this as historic progress. So he doesn't hear what the people are saying. He's absolutely disconnected. He, he's, I guess, surrounded by people who keep him from hearing what's going on. You know, the, the, the Roe versus Wade thing, he has said some crazy stuff there um, that has led to... Uh, Indifference from voters. In fact, they are banning him because of, he gets up on the bully pulpit and says this is not over when there's a big article here that I don't know if I get to it today with you, but Congress can't go up in what the states are doing. That's what the Supreme Court said. You know, it's the state's business. And of course, the, not, the, the other thing that he's doing, and this is he's blaming Trump for everything, uh, even the Trump or Putin. He, he likes to lump them together and blame them for everything. Um, you know, 
Putin's causing your, your, your gas stuff to go up. Putin's causing your um, food to go up. Um, you know, he, he is basically um, out of touch. And so what have, the, what have the Democrats got? All they've got right now, it seems, is the January 6th Inquisition because they don't have anything else to take their minds off of the real problems facing the country. So they shift over to this. And they've done this. They have done this from the day Trump came down the escalator. Or down the steps, whatever it was. So here comes Gavin Newsom. Now, Gavin Newsom is an echo chamber for Trump. Uh, you remember, don't forget that the state attorney was Kamala Harris of that goofy place. So now he's decided by de facto decision, I guess, that his opponent maybe is going to be DeSantis, but certainly what we know, and we know this from being in this election investigation business, is that Florida is the epicenter of the universe in terms of elections. This is where it really, the battles are really fought. And uh, so he claims uh, that he is going to um, nullify all that right off the bat by running ads in Florida. And yet his own leadership record, uh, by the way, he did something that really irked some people a while back. He, let's see if I can get that little, he went to Montana for a vocation uh, after he had declared a Montana off limits um, to any of the workers in the state of California because of Montana's attitude toward the COVID mask. And so he disallowed any of the uh, workers in the state of California the, the right to even go uh, to Montana but but yet he goes, boy, that kind of thing just killed Boris Johnson over in England. So anyway, um, the drug trafficking in California, let's just take that. Just recently, the Highway Patrol picked up just two suspected drug traffickers. They had, had 150,000 fentanyl pills. But they were released by an order signed by a Tulare County Superior Court Commissioner before Sheriff Mike Baudreau was even informed of their arrest or asked about the risk to public safety. And the sheriff placed this blame directly on Newsom and the legislators in California who are soft on crime. So I would think if the people... If the people, no, 50 caliber uh, can, I'll tell you a story about that in a minute. Of course, you don't need to hear them, but um, 50 caliber is a pretty serious round. So so he, here we are uh, with a guy who is as tone deaf, clearly, if you're paying attention, to, as Biden. The homicides in San Francisco are up 36%. Uh, the number of people wounded by gun violence almost doubling. Uh, Ten Walgreens stores have been shuttered. This is in a, uh, some, an article done by uh, Kenneth uh, Kakigan from San Clemente, California. 
he knows the, he knows the lay of the land there. Uh, Ten Walgreens stores were shuttered because of shoplifting and smash and grab thefts. Uh, same things going on in Los Angeles where homicides and robberies with guns are on the rise. Um, so writes this fellow from California, and he says that the um, uh, the city has lost about uh, oh, 40,000 residents in the past year. Uh, the freeways are filled with graffiti and uh, Constantino wire. And, you know, you take the place, you know, California, when Bob Hope and those guys were there in the 50s, must have really been a beautiful place. Uh, it's hard to screw up a beautiful place like that, but, you know, they've managed to do it. Now, the residential, you think GRU is bad. The residential users of electricity in California pay 66% more than on average than homeowners anywhere else in the U.S. And I guess that includes good old Gainesville. Um, so the high utility costs, the crime, um, um, it, 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 you know, Kamala Harris as your state attorney, um, the homeless and the hungry all over the place. California's farmland is drying up. Um, they've got a Jerry Brown high-speed train to nowhere out there um, that, you know, robbed Central Valley farmers of their land. States' public schools are struggling. This is from this guy who lives in California who's writing this. Um, uh, you know, it, 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 it is disgusting. So um, the guy has the nerve to come down here to Florida and take out an ad. I, and I, I'll bet you, I, I, would like to, I would like to, I will bet you right now that if that guy knew some runs for president, Every Gainesville City Commissioner and every Alachua County Commissioner, if Ramey Glenn's not still on there, will vote for Newsom. I mean, I'm, I'm just telling you right now. And I'm never wrong. I'm never wrong. Now, yes, Newsom traveled to Montana. I, got to, I found the article here in the Midnight Auto Yard with his family, despite a state-funded travel ban. Uh, oh, it wasn't over COVID. It was over its LGBTQ policies. And so Newsom uh, added to the California state-funded travel restrictions list on House Bill 112 and Senate Bill 215 Restrictions signed into law that prevented uh, House Bill 112 prevents transgender women and girls from participating in school sports consistent with their gender identity um, signed into law. And so what does he do? Uh, he says, OK, um, this is in Montana where they did this um, because they signed in to law in Montana. These restrictions on LGBTQ uh, you guys who work for the state of California here uh, can't go to Montana. You know, you know, yeah, yeah, it is amazing. I just, I just, I thought I had to cover that for a minute. I really, the devil made me do it. I, I saw that this dude had taken out ads in uh, California 
And um, I, I just, I just, uh, I thought students, we better go over this. Hey, by the way, I thought I'd never see the day. Well, I don't know about that. It might be an exaggeration. I didn't think I, you know, I stopped. Let's put it, let's do, let's do the facts. Okay, let's do the facts. If you'll notice, quite a while back, I stopped talking about COVID. You know, went on a lull for a while. And I didn't put it in my notes. I didn't bring it up in discussions. And now I find myself putting it back in my notes because there's something called the BA5 subvariant, which is really driving the majority of recent COVID-19 cases. And the BA5 subvariant, in case you don't know about it, uh, <clears throat> is the dominant version of the new COVID cases. And um, it's um, an adaptation by the virus, which is really isn't it, interesting, outthinking us and adapting uh, more quickly than we can adapt unless we use procedures that adapt uh, conversely uh, in, re in response just as quickly, which is what the MNRA is all about. It's a quick version to a way to adapt. And of course, it scared the bejesus out of a bunch of people. And, uh, they think a three-headed boy is going to grow out of your arm for taking the shot. All kinds of stuff you listen to. But pretty much the facts are uh, that it's been very effective, the inoculations, in suppressing deaths in the hospital and uh, serious, serious uh, illness with the disease. Hadn't eliminated it, but it's suppressed the seriousness of it. But the virus has adapted. And yet, this is one of the ironies. You know, life is full of irony. Irony is the opposite of what you expect to be true. Government, and this is, this, is, this is really interesting. This is, I think, out of Washington Examiner. Um, governments now, I know it's out of the Wall Street Journal. It's out there. It's worth, and it's also in exam several different places because it's out there. Uh, right now, did you know this, that uh, governments and drug makers and vaccination sites, and I knew this, I had a friend who was in charge of trying to get folks to take the inoculation way back when we first started coming out with the inoculation in South Florida. He couldn't get the blacks to do it. The blacks thought it was white man voodoo that everybody has his own source of paranoia for this drug, I guess. And so he, I used to talk with him at least a couple of times a week. How's it going? He said, we're having to dump this vaccine in the ocean. I said, why? He said, blacks won't take it. They think we're trying to kill them. And so, you know, everybody's got a, everybody's got something. Everybody's got a cross. My cross to bear. So um, uh, now we're actually nationwide uh, dumping the stuff. Tens of millions of unused COVID-19 vaccine doses um, are being dumped. Okay. Both by Moderna and Pfizer and uh, their partner, Biotech, BioNTech. So in Germany's health officials, have disposed of about 3.9 million COVID uh, vaccine doses. They were sitting in a federal central warehouse. They expired at the end of June, so they're dumping them. Canada has dumped about 1.2 million expired doses of Moderna's vaccine. They expect to throw out another 13.6. Um, so uh, there's an irony here. On the one hand, it suggests that the vaccine was very successful and that people stopped really kind of needing it. Uh, on the other hand, it suggests that uh, 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 it also is not the right vaccine for the vaccine's variant. So um, there's kind of a kind of a 
wait and see attitude going on right now in the world of medicine. Um, we're going to probably on demand by uh, those who are studying these things scientifically, roll out a modified shot that targets the Omicron subvariants. And um, just Wednesday, the United States government agreed to purchase 105 million doses of a modified vaccine for uh, uh, the variant from Pfizer. So, um, and Plaxivid is another one that's out as a pill. I've talked to some people who've taken that. So uh, I don't know what the truth is. You probably don't either uh, about COVID, but it's pretty clear that uh, people decide for themselves what they want to do based upon the, whatever's in their head, uh, which, you know, you have to always remember that you can't prove anything you believe. So you're free to believe anything you want to believe. And I, I don't suppose there's any more dramatic illustration of that than the people's response to COVID-19 vaccine. I have found myself talking to people who might consider up until that conversation to be bright, to be tolerant, open-minded, even, even critical of people who aren't open-minded. Ironically, they're conservative Republicans and they're critical of liberal Democrats because they're not open-minded. But you mention the vaccine and they become as closed-minded as a liberal Democrat is about issues that uh, the Republican thinks the Democrats should be open-minded about. You know, it's a very interesting illustration of human nature. Um, once again, I suppose the old adage fits, depends on who's bore at the cabbage. So uh, I've had this conversation many a time with bright people who blank out when you mention the vaccine, become argumentative, become even raise their voices. Oh, he died of a heart attack, or you can't prove it. Or, and then, you know, away they go, down the very same road that the liberal Democrat has gone down about election engineering, for example. Neither voice can prove anything. So they believe what they want to believe. Why they, why they need to believe? I, I, yes, that's, that's a case for one of you to research. So there's a lot of wastage, a new word I learned, wastage, uh, going on. Um, and and um, we're going to see how that all winds up. I don't know where it's going. Um, you don't know where it's going. And I'm going to guarantee you that you're going to see it all across the, uh, all across the, the, the uh, uh, spectrum here. You're going to see mass, no mass, uh, shields, no shields, uh, shots, no shots. Um, it's going to be all over the place. It's going to be once more. Now, one thing that I'm, I'm pretty sure of is that the Democrats will put that in their playbook and use it. And they'll bash the Republicans over the head with it if Omicron cranks up its ugly head in the, about election time in the fall, or if the Democrats manage to make the stats look as if Omicron has poked up its ugly head. Whoa. They know exactly that that will tweak the Republicans. Uh, probably nothing, you know, Superman was Superman until kryptonite. A Republican anti-vaxxer is Superman until the subject of the vaccination comes up. And then It's like kryptonite. He loses it. He loses it. Argues. 
defensive. Can't prove anything. Just knows there's no precedent. So it's so interesting to sit here. I've got COVID back on the agenda here to talk about. I don't know the answer. That's my COVID update. I call that the COVID update. And I'm sure you guys have got your own response and your own direction in which you're going with whatever's going on here in your world. Um, but, um, you know, that's the way people, that's the way they are as people, you know. So um, the other aspect of this is what to do with the kids. Why do you give these kids vaccines? I, I don't know. As a kid, listen, I had every vaccination, I had every vaccination that was available. And some things, I guess there weren't, I got measles, the German measles, had to lie in a dark room for two weeks. Because the thing was, it would hurt your eyes, this and that way another. I just remember lying in a dark room, my mother making the whole room dark, me coming into it, me, me, me living alone in the room upstairs. Um, I had mumps on both sides. Had chicken pox. Never had polio. Boy, was that scary. And I remember the day the vaccine for polio came out, the Salk vaccine. Now, personally, I don't remember a lot of controversy about it. I just remember a great relief. And it stamped out polio. Evidently, polio can't adjust the way the COVID virus can so I, 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 don't, I don't know. It was, inter I, you know, so fortunate, but I knew a lot of people did. I knew people. It's kind of like COVID. I know one family where there, there was more than one kid that slept in the same bedroom. Three kids in the same bedroom, young kids. Two of them didn't get polio and one of them did. And the one who got it, And I don't like that word. It's not the right word. Handicap's not the right word. Um, still physically affected by it to this day. And this person's now, I'm going to disguise the pronoun. I'm going to use a plural pronoun. So you won't know if it's female or male. This person now is in their almost 80. And still the effects of polio are there. But the other two kids that slept in the same room with this person never got it. So, and I'm, I don't, and that was all before, that was all before the vaccination, of course. Vaccination, if I remember, came in 1954. Hope you had a great day today, and uh, we'll have a call in Friday tomorrow and, um, um, and, and see how it all works out. So, um, uh, Jack says he took the salt on the sugar cube. I, I believe I took it by vaccination, Jack. Oh, well, have a great afternoon. Wart Hall Command Center out.